Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7. In him, now who is he talking about? The Lord Jesus Christ. In him, in Christ, we have redemption. In him, we have redemption. Like the Lord has already told us this morning, it's not something we're trying to get, we have it. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. We know the word redeem means to purchase back. That's what the word redeem means. It means to purchase something that was lost and to purchase it back. We have been redeemed. We've been purchased back from our lost condition, back to the Lord from whom we came to begin with, Amen. Amen. He purchased us. He redeemed us with his own blood. The blood of Jesus has absolute power. The blood of Jesus has absolute power to deliver. The blood of Jesus has absolute power to redeem because it is the consummate Christ, there is no greater agent for paying for debt than the blood of Jesus. There is nothing more valuable than the blood of Jesus. Nothing in this earth, nothing in the heavens has ever been more valuable than the blood of Jesus. It is, it was, it remains the blood of God. And the Bible says the life is in the blood. And Jesus poured his precious blood out. Precious beyond anything this world has ever seen or known. More precious than anything this world can ever come up with or produce. And he poured that precious blood out and that blood bought us back. Hallelujah. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus And we have, because of that, forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Are you glad about that? We have forgiveness of sins. Oh, hallelujah. It's good to know we've been washed, cleansed, justified, sanctified, glory to God, by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. But you know, as as wonderful as that is, and there isn't anything any more wonderful, as wonderful as that is, that isn't everything we're redeemed from. It's the most important thing we've been redeemed from, sin. It's the most important thing, but it isn't everything we've been redeemed from. Amen. There's more in the package than forgiveness of sins. As valuable 
as surpassing, you know, it surpasses everything else in value and scope. And as important as it is, it isn't everything. Amen. Down in verse number uh, 11. Notice in verse number seven where we read, it says, in him, in Christ we have redemption. Well, look at verse number 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. So not only is, not only uh, is it in him that we've been redeemed and received forgiveness of sins, but also in him, in Christ, we've obtained an inheritance. There are some things that belong to us because they're in him. See, not in you, in him we've obtained an inheritance. Now, now the words in him and words like that, there, there, are, there are a number of different uh, 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 combinations of words that you'll find particularly in Paul's writings. And he talks about in him. He doesn't necessarily say who it is, but you know it's talking about Christ. Other places it says in Christ. Other places it says in whom, referring to Christ. Of him, through him. And the fact is when we were born again, we were born into Christ. We were born again by the Spirit of God, but we were born into union with Christ. And that's what in Christ and in him is all about. I like to, when I read the Bible, when I meditate on these verses, I like to read it that way. I like to say in union with him because that's really what it's saying. We're in union with Christ. We're one with him. That means everything he has, we have. Now, we didn't produce it, he produced it. That's what makes it an inheritance. See, inheritance is, is not something that you do for yourself. It's something that somebody else does and they leave it to you. Amen? That's what an inheritance is. If you worked for it, if you produced it on your own, it's not an inheritance. But when someone leaves you something that was theirs and they leave it to you and you are their heir, everything they have that they left you is yours. Well, it says in him, in union with him, we have an inheritance. We didn't produce it, but we have it because we're in Christ. We're in union with Christ. Amen. We have an inheritance. And then go up to verse number three. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What's the next two words? In Christ. So again, it's in him. God, it says, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in union with Christ. Now, that tells me a couple of things. First of all, it tells me that there, there are more than one blessing. There, is, there, there, there are a, multi, a, multiple, a multitude of blessings. In other words, there are many blessings. Let's say it that way. There are many blessings. There are more than one because he says every spiritual blessing. And not only does it tell me that there are more than one spiritual blessing, 
It's more than just the forgiveness of sins, as valuable as that is. But it, it tells me that every spiritual blessing, all of them, there's not any spiritual blessings that he hasn't blessed us with in union with Christ. Think about that. You know, if people realize that, that would mess up their praying. Mess up a lot of people's prayer life because they're asking and asking and asking God for all kinds of things. And if they only realize, he's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. I mean, what more? What are you gonna think of? What kind of a spiritual blessing are you going to think of that, that he hasn't, he's blessed us with all of it. He's blessed us with more than we realize more than we know, more than we understand. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't examine what those blessings are and find out as much as we can about them because if we don't examine them, if we don't dig into them and find out what each and every one of these blessings are, we won't enjoy it because everything comes by faith. Salvation comes by faith. Our inheritance comes by faith. Just because he's blessed us with all these things doesn't mean that we will have the reality of those things unless we believe for them. In other words, unless we, unless we join our faith with what he's blessed us with. Amen. Ah, glory to God. Now go with me over to Galatians, the third chapter. Galatians chapter three. And this is really all, everything I said up until now was just introduction. Now I want to look at verse number 13. Christ, you could say in Christ, this has happened. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has purchased our freedom. He has bought us back from or out of the curse of the law. Now, it's sad to, to realize that most Christians, when they think about redemption by the blood of Christ, being redeemed, Christians have, have uh, sung hymns and songs and, and uh, countless hundreds of thousands, if, if not more of sermons, you know, over the years have been preached on we're redeemed by the blood of Christ. And most of the time, people only look at that one huge benefit that our sins have been, uh, been forgiven. In other words, we've been redeemed from the power of sin by the blood of Jesus. But it tells us here that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Now that's something that the curse of the law is the consequences of sin. So we've not just been redeemed from sin, we've been redeemed from the consequences of sin. Amen. The curse of the law. Well, what is the curse of the law? It goes on to tell us, and we'll look at this other verse in more uh, detail in just a minute, but verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, this, this contrasts two things. There's two, there's two uh, uh, ideas here. The curse of the law, the blessing of Abraham. The curse of the law, 
the blessing of Abraham. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. Well, how are those two things related? When God called Abraham out of Mesopotamia and told him to leave his father's house and to go out into a land that he said, I will tell you of, the Lord entered into covenant with Abraham. Now, there's a number, there are like eight different covenants in the Bible. There's the Adamic covenant. There's the Edenic covenant. There's the Noadic covenant. There's the Davidic covenant. There's the new covenant. There's like eight covenants. One of them is the Abraham Abrahamic covenant. The thing about a covenant, when God enters into covenant with a person or with a group, God declares what he is going to do for that person or that group. Remember, the Lord told Abraham, as for me, my covenant is with you. God's covenants are always based upon what he has sovereignly declared he will do. And it is not dependent upon the recipient at all. So it's not dependent upon the recipient. The recipient is not the one who ratifies the covenant. God declares certain things and he's given his word. Now, obedience in that covenant, that person or that group, obedience to God will bring blessing and disobedience will bring judgment. But even in the disobedience, And judgment coming, it does not invalidate the covenant. Once God enters into covenant with someone, nothing can disavow it. That's the way God set up covenants. As for me, he told Abraham, my covenant is with you. Now you can walk in that covenant or you can not walk in that covenant. You can be blessed in that covenant or you cannot be blessed in that covenant. You can even come under judgment, but the covenant stands. The, government, the covenant is immutable, it's unchangeable and God, because God never changes. Amen. Now God entered into covenant relationship with Abraham and he said, now I'm going to make you a great nation. He said, I'm going to cause kings to come from you. I'm going to cause your descendants. I'm going to give you descendants like the, if you could count the stars in the sky or the sand which is by the seashore. He said, so will your descendants be. I'm going to bless you. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to cause you to be a blessing and in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The Bible says, aren't you glad Abraham believed God. Abraham just took God at his word. He said, okay, I believe it. And he acted accordingly. And because he acted accordingly, those blessings came to pass in his life. But God said, I will raise up from you a nation. And he did. The the people of Israel came from the stock of of Abraham. That's where Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 
and then the and then the uh, tribes of Jacob that came out from under him, the the uh, the twelve tribes of Israel. Jacob's alternative name was Israel. That's what he was called. So the nation of Israel was born from from Abraham. Now, because of disobedience, God then uh, placed the law. He brought the law. He gave the law to Moses. And when the New Testament talks about the law, most of the time it's talking collectively about the first five books of the Old Testament. Those five books are called the law, the Pentateuch. The Bible tells us the reason God gave us the, or God gave the Jews the law. It was to make people understand what sin was and what was right and right what was wrong. Because you know, if there's no if there's no knowledge, if there's no commandment from God, for instance, that thou shalt not covet, covet if you don't know that, then then you, you you'll covet and, and not think anything about it. But the Bible says when the commandment came, then it Paul, uh, Paul said it, it worked in me all manner of covetousness, because now all of a sudden I realize oh I'm not supposed to covet. And then I realize, well, shoot, I covet all the time. I'm just one big old coveting mess. That was the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to make sin uh, what it was. In other words, to reveal the sin nature, the fallen nature of man. Now, God gave commandments in the law. And he said, if you will keep the commandments certain good things will happen to you. And if you, and if you break the commandments, he told Israel, if you disobey the commandments, then all of these curses will come upon you, these punishments. The problem was nobody could keep all of the commandments. That was the catch 22. So the blessings... Did, could not come from the commandment because we find out it, uh, it, that James tells us if even in the old covenant, if a man kept all of the other commandments and just transgressed one commandment, he's guilty of all of them. That's a terrible position to be in. So the law, the law had curses associated with it. But there weren't any blessings because no one could walk in the law. Remember when, when Peter, uh, when uh, Paul and Barnabas returned from their first missionary journey and, and uh, some people came out from Jerusalem, the early church, and they were teaching that uh, because Paul and Barnabas, you know, had, had uh, seen the gospel spread, you know, in Antioch and all those places they preached to the Gentiles. They were so excited about it. Well, some people came from Jerusalem the early church, you know, some of the uh, early church leaders, they went out and they taught, well, you know, all these Gentiles, they're going to have to be circumcised. We have to keep the law and so forth. And, and they had a big disagreement. So Paul and Barnabas and some others went to Jerusalem, you know, to, to uh, resolve this matter. And they all talked back and forth. And, and finally, uh, Peter stood up and he said, brethren, he said, if you'll remember that God first brought the message of the gospel to the Gentiles through me. He sent me to Cornelius' house. Those were the first time, that's the first time the Gentiles were ever given the gospel. And he said, and God gave them the Holy Spirit just like he did us. 
And they weren't, they weren't Jews. They weren't circumcised. They didn't keep the law. He was, Cornelius and his friends, they were all Romans, Roman officials. Peter said, the Holy Ghost gave them the same, I mean, God gave them the, the same Holy Spirit he gave us. So then he said, who are we then? If God gave them the same gift he gave us, who are we then to try to put on them a yoke of bondage? Now notice, which none of us nor our forefathers were able to bear. Telling the law, there, there, there was no blessing from the law because nobody could keep it. Go with me over to, to uh, Deuteronomy. Go to the 27th chapter of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy... Uh, chapter 27, Paul begins, I mean, uh, uh, Moses begins to pronounce all these uh, curses upon the children of Israel, Israel should they not keep the law, which of course they were not going to be able to keep the law. And uh, in summary, in verse 27, he says, cursed is the one who does not confirm or keep all the words of this law. And all the people shall say, Amen. Do you see that in verse 26? Deuteronomy 27, 26. See pages turning. Cursed is the one who does not confirm or keep or do all the words of this law. And so there were curses. If you go on into chapter 28, beginning in verse 15 and on through the rest of the chapter, you see all of the curses that would come upon people, the Jews, for disobeying God's law. The curse of the law, if you, if you put all of these curses and, and categorize them, they fall into three categories. One is poverty, abject poverty, sickness, and then ultimately separation from God. That was the threefold curse of the law. Poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. That was, that was the... That was the penalty, that was the curse of breaking God's law. But thank God, Galatians chapter 3 says Christ has freed us. We were rejoicing today about how free we are. Christ has freed us from the curse of the law. What does it say next? having become a curse for us. See, the law has to have its effect. God doesn't whitewash anything. So all of the curse of the law has to be carried out, but God sent a substitute and all of the curses of the law fell on Jesus Christ. He became, the Bible says, he became a curse for us. Well, he discharged the curse of the law. He satisfied the claims of the law. And all of the curses that were impending upon all of mankind, they were all 
dis, dis, displaced in Christ. He took them and bore them and wiped the slate clean. So the good news is today, we've been redeemed. We've been declared free. It's a, this, is, this is part of the new covenant. God has entered into covenant with man through the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been made part of Jesus Christ. And in him, we've been freed from the curse. We've been freed from the curse of poverty and lack. We've been freed from the curse of sickness. In, 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 uh, go back to Galatians chapter three. In Galatians chapter three, earlier in the chapter, he says in verse number five, therefore he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? When, when people receive uh, special manifestations of healings, when hands are laid upon someone, when, when uh, a word of knowledge is given and God calls out someone with a particular uh, 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 ailment or disease or something and God heals that one or the gifts of healings are in operation, anytime these manifestations happen, they don't come through the law, they come through the hearing of faith. The basis for all of those, the basis for all these healings is the fact that we've been redeemed from the curse. A lot of people have the idea that when someone comes forward and hands are laid upon them and they testify, oh, you know, I came up and I had this condition and it was terrible and I mean, I was prayed for and, and it went away or maybe the next day I got up and the next morning it was gone. We think, if we're not careful, we think, well, God just in his sovereign mercy upon that person he saw that individual and, and, and as a conscious uh, act or determination, he decided to heal that person as a mercy from him because he's merciful. Well, he is merciful. But that's not why God heals that person. The person that testifies on Sunday night, Wednesday night, they weren't just healed because God decided to heal them. They were healed. They, their healing came because Christ Jesus redeemed them from the curse of the law. And the good news is all of us are redeemed whether we come up front or not. Whether whether a, a special move of the Holy Ghost takes place or not, we're all still redeemed from the curse of sickness, poverty, lack, death, and destruction. We've been redeemed. We're free. We're free. We're free. Oh, hallelujah. We're free from the curse. Why? Because Jesus took the curse. He was cursed for us. Now, there are always people that'll try to talk us out of the blessing of God. There's always somebody that wants to tell us, well, you know, all of that's good, but that doesn't belong to us today. There are people that say, well, you know, blessings like that, they're part of the old covenant. Well, verse 14, Galatians 3.14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? 
all of those nations and people, groups, who are not Jews. In other words, the rest of the whole world. The blessing of Abraham came upon the Gentiles, comes upon the Gentiles, how? In Christ Jesus, in union with Christ. So all of the blessings of the, that, you know, when you think about it, it wasn't just the Jews' blessing anyway. The blessings that, that we're talking about in the Old Testament, they, weren't the, they didn't belong just to the Jews. Jew, Jews is short for Judah. That's, what, that's what the, where the word Jews come from. It comes from Judah. Well, you know, the people of Israel, there were 12 tribes of, 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 uh, of, 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 of Jacob, 12 tribes of Israel. That was the nation of Israel. But later in their history, they divided and there was Israel and there was Judah. Remember that? Well, Judah is one tribe and it became one, one uh, sect of Israel, but both Judah and the rest of the tribes all came from Abraham. The blessing that, that we talk about so often that we find in the Old Testament, it didn't just belong to the Jews, it belonged to all of Israel because it wasn't the blessing of the Jews, it was the blessing of Abraham. God said to Abraham, as for me, my covenant is with you. I will bless you. In all that you put your hand to, he said, I will bless you. I will make you the head. I'll, I'll, I'll cause people to, to bow down before you. I'll make your name great. And if you go back and look at Abraham's life, you'll see that the blessing included prosperity, abundant prosperity. It included authority, dominion, uh, health, wisdom, everything. And so in, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, where he starts talking about, if you obey me, all of these blessings will come upon you. Blessed shall you be in the city. Let's go over and look at it. Deuter Deuteronomy 28 again. Are you out there? Amen. Are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be out there, but it's better to listen. Now it shall come to pass, verse 28, chapter 28, verse one says, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today. Well, then he, right then you know nobody got it because nobody obeyed all the commandments. Are you listening to me? He said, if you diligently obey, carefully observe all his commandments. Well, nobody did that. So then he, he pronounced all these blessings. Well, those blessings couldn't come from obeying the law because nobody could do it. All these blessings were the blessings that God gave Abraham. That's what these blessings were because they come by faith. So Abraham believed God and it was accounted done to him for righteousness. Before the law ever came, Abraham was declared righteous, not because of his deeds, but because of his faith. And all of these blessings came upon him. He said, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. 
Blessed shall you shall be the fruit of your body, that's your children, the, the produce of your ground, that's your crops, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks, that's all of your farm animals. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl, your, your bread basket, your supplies, your house, your goods, your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. You know, if somebody asks you how you're doing, you just need to stop and think, well, am I coming in or going out? Let me think. Oh, I'm blessed. I mean, you're either coming in or going out, right? Well, 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 well what's the, well, how are you? I must be blessed. Amen. Amen. I'm blessed, coming in, going out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to to be defeated before your face. Did Abraham see that? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he took, took, you know, 380 trained uh, uh, servants from his own house. Think about how much God blessed Abraham. You have to be a pretty prosperous person to have 380 adult male trained servants who can fight. The Bible says God had blessed Abraham with with cattle, with goats, with sheep, with silver and gold. And he was very, very rich. How did he get that? That was the blessing that God, he said, I will bless you. Well, you look at his life, you see all kinds of blessings. He had dominion, he had authority. He went out against, you know, all of the, all of the, uh, the, the, the different kings, you know, that had, had come in and confederated together and, and took Lot and all of his household and all those cities, you know, took them captive. He went out with just his own personal army and put all of those, those uh, kings to, 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 to flight, took back all of the booty. And then he said, I'm telling you what, you, you keep all of it. I'm not gonna have anybody come behind me and say, well, I made Abraham rich. God made me rich. It's the blessing of Abraham. Amen. He'll come out against you one way, flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. All of the people, verse 10, of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. When Abraham went into other people, they said, you know, get away from us. You're greater than we are. Here, just just take all of our stuff and leave. They were so great. Their, Their possessions were so great, he and Lot, that they had to separate from each other because the land, the very earth could not contain and support the weight of their wealth and possessions. Amen. The Lord, verse 11, the Lord will grant you plenty of goods and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of your ground and the land which the Lord your Lord swore to your fathers to give you. He'll open to you the heaven, so forth for rain. You'll lend to many nations and you will not borrow. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. Oh, Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, he's speaking to Israel. He said, all of these things will come on you if you'll obey this word, but they couldn't. You can't get these blessings by working for them. Let that sink in. You cannot 
get these blessings by working for them. You'll never, you, you'll work yourself to death and you still won't add up. You, st- you still won't measure up. If you're gonna go after the blessing of God based on what you can do in your performance, you will always fall short. But if you'll approach it in faith, if you'll approach the blessings of God in faith, that's how the Abrahamic covenant is fulfilled. It's to those like Abraham who are in faith. Go with me to Galatians again. I found this verse the other day and and, and it just came up in my spirit. I was meditating about something else and this verse came up in in me and, and I And I realize I've read that many times, but I didn't know where it was. Galatians chapter three, verse number nine. Before we read that, notice verse 14, the blessing of Abraham. It's not the blessings, plural, the blessing of Abraham. That the blessing, singular, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. See, it's more than just individual blessings that belong to us. The very blessing itself. Do you you see the distinction? The blessing of Abraham has come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. In other words, what God said to Abraham, he has said to us. That's the blessing. Yes, there are blessings, plural, contained in that, but it was the, God spoke a blessing. He said, I will bless you. I'll bless your descendants after you as, as greater than the number of stars in the heavens. Well, we're in there somewhere. That blessing has come to, it's just as though God spoke to you and entered into covenant with you and said, I will bless you. That's, that's, that's God's infallible, that's God's uh, sovereign declaration of what he will do. God said it to Abraham, he said it to each one of us through Abraham and Christ who was the seed the ultimate seed of Abraham. All of that, you see Jesus, when he walked the earth, he walked as as the man who encompassed the fullness of the Abrahamic covenant. He encompassed the fullness of the blessing of Abraham. Jesus walked on this earth. He did the things that he did. He was so marvelous in all of his ways and all of his words and all of his deeds. But the Bible tells us he did not do that as God, though he was, he didn't do it in, in, with power that was inherent because he was God. He did it as a man. He did it as a man with the Abrahamic blessing. He was blessed just like Abraham. The promise God made to Abraham to bless him was really made to Christ. And we see him walking. He was not weak. He was not sick. He was not poor. He was not discouraged. He, was never, he never had a bad day, a down day, a blue Monday or a bad Wednesday or anything else. He, he, he was always on top. He, he was the head and not the tail. What was that? Abraham's blessing rested upon him. Well, when we came into him, when we were born into him, that blessing rests on you. It rests on me. It rests on you. Amen. The blessing of Abraham. Now, this is the verse I wanted you to see. Verse nine. 
So then those who are of faith, or you could say those who believe, are blessed. That's the way the Spirit of the Lord said it to me. He said, those who believe are blessed with believing Abraham. Those who are believe, those who believe are blessed with believing Abraham. That's how you get in on it, is you believe it. Now, before you get too excited, just prepare yourself. You're going to have to stretch a little bit. We can just jump up and run around, you know, and, and shout about the blessing of Abraham, but do you know how great it is? Are you really prepared to be blessed like Abraham was blessed? Are you, can, can, can you really square your shoulders and accept the fact that God wants to bless you just like he did Abraham and that the blessing of Abraham is pronounced, has been pronounced upon your head. It belongs to you. He has said it. Now again, before you shout hallelujah, you better prepare yourself because this blessing is greater than anything you've ever heard in church in your life. It is. It is the forgiveness of sins. It is freedom from sickness. It is uh, uh, dominance in this earth. Freedom from all any kind of bondage. It is prosperity unparalleled. God wants every one of you to walk in the full measure of Abraham's blessing. He didn't say blessings where you could pick and choose which ones. He said the blessing of Abraham. If the blessing of Abraham has come upon you, then you ought to be rich. I'll just say it. You ought to be rich. Now, all the religious demons just ran out of the room. Did God bless Abraham and did he make him rich? Did God make Isaac rich? Did God make Jacob rich? It said, well, if one of them, either Isaac or Jacob, I remember which one it was, it says he, he became rich and then got richer and richer and just became exceedingly rich. Beyond measure rich. And he'd already been given everything that, that Abraham gave. He gave it to Isaac. Isaac gave all that to Jacob. He just kept compounding. Well, is that the blessing of Abraham? Amen. Now, I, I, I said it. When I said you ought to be rich, I mean, it was like, it's like somebody turned the power down in here, like the lights dimmed. Listen, as long as you have an aversion to prosperity, you'll never walk in it. As long as you see it as being materialistic and, and, and somehow just not something you, you ought to be interested in, well, don't worry, it won't get on you. You won't have to worry about it. It won't jump on you and hurt you because you'll never have it. Abraham didn't feel that way. The blessing of the Lord, the Bible says, makes one rich. Will that make you a millionaire? Probably. You know, Brother Hagin used to say, you know, that that didn't necessarily mean that you're gonna be a millionaire, he said, that just means that God will make you rich. Rich means a full supply. Well, that was back in the 1940s. You know, we're, we're now, you know, in 2020s, uh, it'll, take, it'll take at least a million, a couple million to, be, to really be rich. Come on now. I know, I'm, I know I'm, I'm causing consternation here, but religious people are all getting all shook up. What I'm saying is you need to embrace what God gave Abraham because it's yours. 
And if you struggle with that, you think, well, you're just, you're just, you know, there he goes, talking about prosperity again. Listen, you need to soak yourself in the word of God until those religious ideas get flushed out of your mind. Renew yourself with God's word and understand that God intends for you to have it all. God said, I'm gonna bless you and you are gonna be a blessing. Well, if you wanna be a blessing, you're gonna have to be blessed. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How do you, how do you put all this into practice? What do you do? Well, listen, the first time sickness raises its ugly head, I mean at the very first moment of pain or discomfort or anything that would indicate something's not right with your body, right then, resist it. James said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Acts, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Well, then all sickness is, is, comes from the devil. Well, I just thought it was my body acting up. Yeah, but that's still the devil's behind it. As soon as the first, the very first conscious pain or discomforts, get in the habit of rising up and said, no, you don't. I resist that in the name of Jesus. What does it mean to resist the devil? Now, now this, is not a, this is not a good thing, so we're not supposed to do this, but what does it mean when people say they resist the police? What, 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 is, what does it mean when somebody, well, they resisted the police officer. Police officer, you know, tells him you're under arrest. What does a person risk? He said, you, get your hands off of me. He's, that's resisting. That's what we're supposed to do with the devil. Get your hands off me. No, sir. No, no, no. Get off of me and I'm not having that. I resist that. I have learned, and you know it's true if, you, if you're just intelligent, if you resist everything that comes the moment it comes, it'll be a, you, you'll go through life with fighting a whole lot fewer battles. Instead, we put up with stuff until they become so entrenched in our bodies that we've got this big, massive uh, uh, weight of, of pain and, and circumstances weighing us down. When in, instead, if we would just resist those things, the moment they rise, the moment they come up, say, no, you don't. I resist that. I resist that headache. I resist that sore foot. I resist that pain in my belly. I resist that cold. I resist that in Jesus' name. I'm not having that. No, you don't. Resist him. Stand your ground. Every time a symptom of lack arises in your budget, in your house, just say, no, sir, I resist lack, I resist it. I am redeemed from the curse of the law, which includes lack, poverty, poorness, not having enough. I rebuke it, I resist it in Jesus' name. Learn to resist lack. Why? Because Christ redeemed us from the curse of breaking God's law that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us and it has. Resist it. What do you do next? Let the words of your mouth correspond to what you just did.
When you, when you resist sickness, the next thing needs to come out of your mouth is scriptures like this. Christ has purchased my freedom from the curse of the law. In him, I am free. I've been healed by the stripes. Of, in other words, the next, after you resist, the, I, I have to back up because I can't, I can't get away from the importance of immediately resisting what the devil's trying to do. Immediately. Immediately say, no, you don't. Not having that. And then you immediately start, after that, you then start speaking the word. No, the Bible says that by his stripes I'm healed. The Bible says that I'm a tither and a tither, glory to God, the windows of heaven are opened unto me. I'm a giver, glory to God. I'm generous and the Bible says a generous man will be made full and flourishing, glory to God. Amen. Start confessing the word of God and then praise him for the answer. Just praising for the answer. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.